0: Well, it's great that we can have all of our kids with us today, and when you came in today, one of our ushers probably gave you uh, what we call a busy bag that, uh, as parents, you can go ahead and give to your kids right now. I'm going to share an abbreviated Christmas message with you right now, and for the smallest ones, this will help them to stay a little bit occupied during these next few moments. And then, as I uh, heard and you heard, uh, Santa's going to have some gifts for the kids at the end of the service and they'll be able to come back down for that. Uh, we've been in a series this week. Some of you who are guests from out of town, and we've had many guests from out of town today. Um, we've been in a series. We started the first Sunday of December, December the 4th, where we started talking about what is at the heart of Christmas. That when you really do a time out and you sort of slow down the chaos and all the many activities that are going on at this time of year. And you really deeply ponder what Christmas is all all about You know, what is at the heart of Christmas? We've been talking about that for three weeks now, and now we come to Christmas Day, and we're going to talk about one final part of that, because this part of Christmas, you can't really talk about Christmas without mentioning this as being at the heart of it. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about peace. It is one of the reasons why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus Came into this world to bring us peace. Now, did you know that about 700 years before Jesus was born, before that very first Christmas, that there was a prophet, a prophet by the name of Isaiah, who predicted that the Savior of the world would one day arrive? And that when He came, when the Savior of the world came, that He would be called, among many things, that He would be called the Prince of Peace. I want you to take a look up here on the screen, and I'd love for you to read this verse with me. This is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Let's all read it together, everybody now. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called the Prince of Peace. Well, we know that when that actually happened, when Jesus was born into the world on that very first Christmas, that the angels appeared to shepherds. And here's what the angels said. This is not on the screen, but this is out of Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. The angels said this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests peace. He would come, the Prince of Peace. And there would be peace among whom his favor rests. Well, you know, you take the next 30 years of Jesus's life, it was somewhat, uh, if you can imagine normal for Jesus, somewhat normal. And then at about the age of 30, Jesus started his public ministry. And that was his miracles and his teachings. And we read about that in the gospels. And as Jesus starts his, his ministry, he makes this very bold assertion, In fact, he made certain that his followers know this clearly before he returns to heaven. Uh, Here's this incredible announcement. You're going to see it on the screen. This is John 14, 27. He said this, I give you what? What did Jesus say? I give you peace. The kind of peace that only I can give. What he's saying, you're not going to be able to get this kind of peace from anybody else. Only I can give you this kind of peace. Look at the next portion of the verse. It isn't like the peace that this world can give, so don't be worried, don't be afraid. So 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet is saying the Savior is coming into the world and he's gonna be the Prince of Peace. And his peace and his favor has the opportunity to rest upon people. And then Jesus himself said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you peace. And the kind of peace that I can give is like a peace that nobody else can ever give you. And you're not going to get that kind of peace from the world at all. So in this condensed message today, here's what I want to do. I want to mention to you three kinds of peace that Jesus can make possible in our lives. It's very important. And I want you to just listen for the next few moments. It's going to be a shorter than normal talk, but I want you to just really stay dialed in. If you want to make some notes, jot some things down on your smartphone or or tablet or whatever you choose to do. But I want to talk to you about three kinds of peace. And the first one is a peace that all of us need. And I pray that by the time we get to the end of the service, all of us will have experienced in our lives. If we don't have it, that we would be on the receiving end of it, and that is that all of us need peace with God. We all need peace with God. Now, that's so important, more important than I could probably even communicate in mere words that I would be able to offer to you. This is so important because it has a huge impact upon the totality of everything else that occurs in our life. Now, how do we know this? Listen for just a moment. Haven't you found that in any context of relationship if if in that relationship peace is jeopardized that it causes the joy of that relationship to be imperiled let's say for example if if you're not at peace with your boyfriend or or with your girlfriend, and you know, it's the joy level of that is in, with your spouse. If there's friction, if there's chaos, if there's tension, and, and there's no peace in that relationship, it can little by little erode the joy in that relationship. That can happen with a close friend. Now, the Bible talks about that uh, what is problematic for us is that we're not born into this world having peace with God. We are not. The fact of the matter is, we are born into this world as sinners. Now, I know that sounds unusual, especially when we got kids in the service today. And, but you probably, if you're a parent, now it's harder to recognize this if you're a grandparent, but if you're a parent, you probably recognize by now that your children are not perfect. Well, they, they are for maybe 10 months, nine or 10 months or so, but after a while, you come to the realization that they are not perfect. Now, if you're like me, and uh, we've got our grandkids here one more Sunday, and then they fly uh, back home tomorrow, but if you're a grandparent, they're perfect, and everything that they do is perfect, but that's not reality. That's like grandparents' foolishness, and we're all entitled to that. But um, we're born into this world as sinners, and the fact of the matter is in small and sometimes in larger ways we rebel against God now let me let me ask you a question i want to ask you a question right here how many of you have, when you think about your life in terms of your response to God, how many of you have always listened to God every detail of your life 100% of the time? How many of you have done that? You've always, 100% of the time, you've always done it God's way. Well, none of us can raise our hands in regards to that because, again, in in small ways and sometimes in larger, more pronounced ways, we we have sinned against God. We have rebelled against what God's plan for our lives was. Uh, Romans says that we all sin and we fall short of the glory of God. So none of us, none of us are like perfect people and far from being that. And so what it does is it creates friction in our relationship with God. We don't have peace with God. And little by little, what we do is we're born into the world of sinners. We, we rebel and we sin. And our sin, this is what it does. Follow me here. Our sin puts this gap, this chasm between us and, and a Perfectly holy and righteous God. Now God has never been content with that, so God, and we know that he devised this from the foundation of the world, God was not content to allow that to just exist. So what did God do? God actually sent Jesus at Christmas. Look at this verse right here up on the screen. Second Corinthians 5:18 says this, God has done it all. He sent Christ. He sent Jesus. Why did He send Jesus? to make peace between himself and us. See, because we did not have peace with God, and God knew that if we were ever going to have the capacity to be able to have peace with him, he would have to initiate it, and he did when he sent Jesus. And look at the rest of the verse, between himself and us. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. Now, we need to be so incredibly clear on something about the peace that can exist between God and us. And here's what you and I need to know about it. It is not possible. It is not possible for you and I to have peace with God if it's left up to the efforts of our own. We can't make it happen. We just can't. You and I can't earn it. We can't say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to earn it. I I know that my sin, because we're all sinners, has separated me from a perfectly holy God, and so I don't want that to exist. I want there to be peace with God, so I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to perform good words. I'm going to be a a better person. I'm going to be savvy enough or strong enough, or I'm going to be smart enough to achieve this on my own but the Bible says that is impossible. We cannot do it on our own. Just look at this next verse. This is Romans chapter five and verse one. Romans chapter five and verse one says this, since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have, read the rest of this sentence with me, we have what? Peace with God. Now, how did this happen? It tells us right here. This happened through Our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can't make it. So all of us need peace with God, but what is problematic, we can't make it happen. Only God can make it happen, and God chose to make it happen when he sent Jesus on the very first Christmas, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son, and Jesus is going to make this peace with me possible. It's what Christmas is all about. Here's another verse that says, it's not on the screen, that says the same thing in a slightly different way. It too is in Romans chapter 5, but nine verses later. Listen to this verse. Even when we were God's enemies, even before we loved God, even when we were rebelling against God, even when we were saying to God, God, not your way, my way, even when we were God's enemies, he made peace with us because, this is how he did it, because his son died for us. Jesus died for us. Yet, the rest of the verse says, yet something even greater than friendship as ours. Now that we, listen to this now, now that we are at peace with God, we will be saved by his son's life. And that's how you and I are able to have peace with God. Some of you, you're already, you have peace with God. You know that you're not a perfect person, but you know you're in right standing with God. You know that you make mistakes from time to time, but you know that heaven has a home for you because you've accepted Jesus as the savior and the leader of your life. You've received the forgiveness of your sins because you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Others of you, you've not taken that step yet, you don't have peace with God. The good news is Jesus has already made provision for that to become a reality. And it's not, listen, it is not what you could ever do, but it's on the basis of what Jesus has already done for you. And all of us need, all. it's so important, all of us need peace with God. But there's a second kind of peace. And again, you cannot talk about Christmas without talking about peace. And there's a second kind of peace that all of us need, and that is we need the peace of of God. We not only need peace with God, we need the peace of God. Can I just tell you in regards to that, that if you really want to have the peace of God, then you need to make sure that the peace with God is already in place to be, uh, to make certain that that, that's occurring in your life. And when you have, let me say it this way, when you have peace with God, it's going to cause the peace of God to be very real in your life. Now, I hate to tell you what I'm about to tell you, especially on Christmas Day, but I'm just saying to you that as long as you live on planet Earth, you're going to be surrounded by problems. I I don't like telling you that, but how many of you know this about problems? You don't have to find problems. Problems find you. How many of you, you know, that's true. You don't have to look for them. You don't have, I don't know of a single person in here that could say, well, you know what? I don't have problems. I've never had problems. In in fact, you know, I don't even know what a problem feels like. Then if if you were to say, I've never had problems. I don't have any problems now. And I believe that I'm going to live the rest of my life without any problems. I want to just say to you, you've got a problem. (laughs) You got a problem. If you'll come uh, after the service and just talk to me for a moment, uh, I want to tell you, first of all, your problem is honesty, you know, because if you say, I've never had problems in my life, because you can't live from your birth date to your death date and never have problems. As long as you and I live in this world, we're going to have stress. Stress and we're going to be surrounded by anxiety, and we're going to face disappointments, and there's going to be frustrations in our life, and there's going to be losses that occur, and we're going to have doubts at times. You get the point. There's going to be challenges. As long as we're in this world, the peace of God in our life is going to be challenged. Mine was challenged just this week. Uh, most all of you know, now if you're a guest, you'd have no idea of this, but my dad in September, or a couple of months ago, my dad at the age of 71 passed away. I had, um, I'd been actually up in Illinois visiting, uh, you know, our, our kids and uh, son, daughter-in-law and two granddaughters, and, and that's when I got the news and, and came back. It was three days after after that, that my mom was diagnosed a- at the age of 69, she was diagnosed with what is called Lewy body dementia. Now, my parents, and I need to say this, my, my parents have not been together since I was 14 years of age. In fact, you know, after my dad's funeral, I came back to, the, back to Lakeland, came, you know, back into the church office, and, uh, you know, some of the staff had already heard that my mom had been diagnosed with dementia. Now, keep in mind, my parents have not been together for, you know, a, a long, long time since I was 14. So uh, one of the ladies in the office who was standing there um, among the staff members, she doesn't really know my, my background, my story concerning my parents necessarily. So she sat and she's a sweet, sweet, wonderful lady. And she looked at me and she said, oh, you know what, it, it sounds like maybe your mom is wanting to be with your dad. And I said, no, not really, they, they not, not, that's not it. You know, I believe my dad's in heaven, and and uh, my mom will go to heaven, but uh, and I'm confident they're going to get along a lot better in heaven than they they did here. And who's ever in charge of housing arrangements in heaven needs to take all of this into consideration. And so people are around are laughing, and she catches on. And, and so, but mom, I uh, you know found out Lewy body dementia, and you know there was a. Uh, a visit with a doctor, an assessment and all of that. And at that time, and a lot of you are aware of this, they said to us as her family, you know, on this current assessment, we think that, you know, at least what you need to be thinking of ahead of time is maybe you're going to have your mom for two more years. So we didn't like that news, but, you know, two years is two years. And so, man, did did our peace the peace of God get rattled, came out of the gym on Wednesday. And I looked at my phone as I often did. And I had a text message from my sister. There's four of us kids. And my sister is not melodramatic at all. She's calm. She's strong. Takes a lot to shake her. But I noticed in her text, she's saying, Jeff, please call me ASAP. And I know that that is not the normal response of my sister's temperament. So the first thing I thought was, oh no, it's mom. And I called her, and I said, "Is it Mom?" And she said, "Yes." and I said, "Has she passed away?" she said no <laughs> she's not she, she's not passed away she uh, but in a meeting that she had had that day, her and my stepfather, in that meeting, they thought it was going to be like an assessment, and they had questions because they wanted to provide a better care for her what they ended up saying to my sister and stepdad is, your mom has now entered into, to my sister, your mom has now entered into a transition state. And so she has days, maybe weeks, but not months to live. And we're like, oh, my goodness. My sister's telling me this. I'm like, hold on, you're going to have to repeat this. She said, that's exactly what I said. You know, because we've been here in assessment two years, and and you know we're just asking how do we and now and and so she answered some of the questions. I'm like, you you got to be kidding! And she said, I was thinking, Jeff, that we would, you know, for certain have this Christmas, you know, with her, and maybe one more. But now, we're just glad we have this Christmas, and so I'll get on a plane again. Tuesday morning, fly up to Atlanta, meet with all of my siblings, my sister, uh, another sister's coming down from Nashville, my brother up from Jacksonville, my sister who lives in Atlanta. And the four of us will go along with our stepfather and we'll meet because at the end of that conversation, they said to my sister and stepdad, you need to go ahead and plan for her funeral. So we'll do that this week. The peace of God. How do you maintain? How do you maintain? The peace. What do you do in those moments? What do you do in those seasons when you sense more fear than faith? When you have more anxiety than you do answers? What do you do when you have more pressure than you do peace? You know what you do? And this is what I've been doing. And that is I remind myself and you remind yourself that we can have peace with God because no matter how tough things are, we we can have that peace in God because we have peace with God. The peace of God. Jesus talked about it. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Read this verse with me up on the screen. Colossians 3.15. The A part of that verse says, everybody, let's read it together. And let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. Let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. The peace of God. So you can't talk about Christmas without talking about peace, and and how that you and I, how the smartest thing that could ever occur in our life is to make certain that we're at peace with God, and I'm finding this to be true in my life, and I'll find it to be true this week, that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of having lost my dad in September, in a matter of losing my mom in a matter of days or weeks, that some way, somehow, because I have peace with God, I'm going to be able to maintain the peace of God in the midst of something that is so challenging to us right now. But there's a third piece, and I want to mention it to you, and I'm only going to mention this one very briefly, and that is we need to have peace with others. We need to have peace with others. Have you noticed, have you noticed this that everybody is not like you? Have you noticed this? Just if you have not noticed, just go ahead. I mean, you've got full permission. Just go ahead and look around. Just look and just say, yeah, they're they're not just like me not everybody is just like you. Now, uh, why don't uh, you, and you, you can do this, look at the person near you because he's probably a family member, a friend, although if it's a stranger, you can still do this. Just, just look at them and say, everybody is not like me, okay? Just, just look at them, just say, everybody's not like me, and, and just say, and, and then you may want to follow it up by saying, everybody is not like me, thank God, thank God. <laughs> Now, if they look back at you and they say, yes, we thank God too, you know, that's going to feel a little bit, you know, troubling or awkward to you, but not everybody is like you. Not everybody is like me. Thank God, you know. But just because somebody is different than you, maybe in their backgrounds, maybe in their opinions, their politics, their net worth, their race, their interests, it does not mean that peace is unreasonable. In fact, here's what I want you to know. If you and I are going to demonstrate anything that's going to be powerful in the world, we ought to be able to demonstrate, and we taught this not not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, that we need to love everybody. And you and I, as the body of Christ, can demonstrate that we can have peace with people that are totally unlike us in so many different ways. Can I just tell you the world is not going to do that. The world is not going to teach you how to have peace with people that are unlike you. In all these areas and other areas that could be mentioned. The world's not going to give you a lesson on that. They're going to teach you how to segment and divide and to, to allow your differences to separate you from other people. But the body of Christ, if anybody's going to see it, the body of Christ is going to have to put on a clinic as to how we ought to love everybody. And we can have peace with people that are totally unlike we are why should we do it? Because it's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have peace with other, other people. Look at this verse up on the screen. Last, last couple of verses we're going to look at. This is Galatians 3.28. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all... What's this word here? It's a very important word. Among us, you are all equal. We're all equal. That is, we're all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to be like me for me to love you. You don't have to be like me for me to be at peace. You can be totally unlike me. But we can love each other, and we can have peace with one another, and that's really the way it ought to be, and we can demonstrate that. Now, as I get ready to wrap up this abbreviated Christmas talk, I want to point you to something that Jesus said, and if you will do what Jesus said, listen, what you're about to see on the screen, listen, no matter who you are, no matter what your background, if you just say, you know what, I'm going to do what Jesus says, if you will do this, what I'm about to tell you, if you will do this, this will provide for you the best Christmas you've ever had, but it will go beyond Christmas. Look at these verses right up here on the screen. These are very important verses out of Matthew 11. This is Jesus talking in. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. How many of you have ever felt weary? <laughs> come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody here today feel like, maybe you're like us. Maybe you're like my family. You're carrying some heavy burdens today. Come, come to me. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you what? rest you know I've met a lot of people who said you know in essence they haven't said it verbatim this way but you pick up on what they're saying why do I need to come to Jesus because if I come to Jesus if I come to him all it's going to mean is more rules all it's going to mean is more regulations all it's going to mean is a bunch of religion and that's not what Jesus said Jesus does not say hey come to me because I've got a bunch of rules for you to keep Jesus does not say, come to me because I've got all these regulations you're going to have to live up to. You're going to have to dot these I's, cross these T's, jump through these hoops. Hey, come to me, and I'm just going to cause you to be filled up with religion. Jesus did not say that. That is not what Jesus said. People impose that. Well, Jesus said, you come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find, read the rest of it with me, you will find rest." for your souls. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you need some rest in your life. Rest from your stress, rest from your fears, your guilt. Maybe you need rest from failure, from anxiety, from grief, rest from discouragement, rest from conflict, rest from your hopelessness. Jesus said, "You do this. If you'll come to me, I'm going to give you rest." Jesus said, connect with him. Take my yoke upon you. And I, I don't have time to go into this. I wish I did. When Jesus said, take my yoke, it was a picture that when he communicated this, they would have understood because they, seen, they had seen animals yoked together. And Jesus was saying, you know what? It was never intended that one of these animals, you know, you'd never see an empty yoke or you should not see where one of these animals was having to do all of the work, carry all of their burden. And Jesus knew that this image would be in their minds, And Jesus said, you know, take up my yoke. Take up my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus said, You were never wired up. God never created you so that you would have to carry around all of your weariness, that you would have to carry all these heavy burdens. You come to me. You come to me, and I'll give you rest. Get yoked up with me. And Jesus said, Cast all your cares upon me because here's what I do I care about you, and I'm going to help you with the heavy burdens that you're carrying. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes here for just a moment? The worship team is going to go ahead and come up, and while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today, and you'll just say, you know, Jeff, in all honesty, I don't have peace with God. I don't. I've never invited Christ to come into my life. I've not asked for forgiveness. I'm not in a relationship with God. I don't have the assurance of knowing When I die that I'm going to heaven, I need to make certain that I have peace with God. And I'm just telling you, friends, I'm experiencing this in my life right now. I am a living testimony that when you have the peace with God, you can have the peace of God even in the toughest moments of your life. And you'll just say, you know what? I don't have that peace with God, but I want to have that peace with God. Would you just raise your hand wherever you're at? Just raise it real high, and let me pray with you before we're done. Would you just pray something like this in your heart? Just some It doesn't have to be my words exactly. As you hear me pray this prayer, you may say, me too. Yes, God, it's what I want. But you'd pray something like this. God, I come to you today. I want to be sure that I have peace with you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to die on the cross for me to pay off my sin debt in full. I could make peace with you possible. That's why you sent Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. I pray that right now you'd forgive me of my sins. I want to receive you into my life. I need peace with you, God. I need the peace of God. It passes all understanding. And I pray today, Lord, that you would receive me. I know you will, because I want to receive you into my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's sing this song together, can we, all of us? the glory. put our hands together and give Jesus some praise. Hey, we're very close to the end of this service, but there's a couple of things we're going to do really, really quickly. But before we do them, here's what I want to say. If you prayed that prayer with me just a moment ago, be sure you let somebody know that. Tell a family member, tell a friend. If you say, well, I I don't have a family member or friend here today. Tell me, come and find me and say, hey, Jeff, I prayed that prayer with you. I wanted to make sure that I had peace with God. I need the peace of God. And you let somebody know that. Will you do so? Uh, Pastor Randy, the band, they always do a great, great job. Don't they always do a great, great job? Now, there's a couple of songs we're going to sing, and it won't take us but just a moment. And you will not want to leave because here's what's going to happen. In just a couple of moments after we sing these two really, really quick songs, we're going to have some things, some gifts that we want to give to the kids before they go. So why don't we do this? Let's everybody stand, and we're going to sing a couple of fun songs together, and then we're going to get ready to wrap up. So let's all sing together.
1: Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the hills we go Laughing all the way Uh, 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 Bells on uh, buttons ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing Come on, one more time. Come on, every
0: Let's give it up. Merry Christmas to you guys. All right. We cannot let all these great kids get out of here. Santa, you heard it mentioned. Santa's right over here to my right, your left. All of the kids, you need to go over here. Santa's got a gift that he wants to give to you. But then there's another thing. You'll want to see Pastor Randy or you'll want to see Ashley or myself because we've got a gift for you too. And you're probably going to be shocked by this, but for all the kids, we've got a Chick-fil-A kids meal card. Can you believe that? So listen, your moms and dads, your family's going to wait for you, and, uh, but we want you to come. We've got a couple of gifts we want to give to you before you get away. Listen, I love you, everybody. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a great, great day.